I'm Rasa Kay, and I'm talking with Dr. Renee Bullock-Palmer. She is the director of the Women's Heart Center at Deborah Heart and Lung Center, and we are talking about women and heart disease. First, just give us the overall definition, just the baseline of coronary artery disease. Coronary artery disease is actually a disease process where there's cholesterol buildup along the walls of the heart. And then as time goes on, in just like asphalt, you have layers of cholesterol and that grows and then comes and encroaches on the blood flow of that vessel. So the various grades of coronary artery disease is a very mild where it's not causing any obstruction of flow. And then there's a severe where the vessel is completely occluded. So what are the risks of coronary artery disease in women? So the risks are similar to men, um, the diabetes, uh, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, smoking definitely is a strong risk factor, obesity and a sedentary lifestyle. Um, now, there are certain risk factors that we can't control, such as our family history and genetics. So therefore, if you have a parent or a sibling who has had a heart attack before the age of 55, if they're males and if before the age of 65, if they're females, you are at increased risk. But there are no particular risks to women that uh, just because of physiology are not the same as for men? So I'm glad you raised that question because lately it has been shown that there are emerging risk factors for women, such as women with autoimmune diseases, such as lupus, rheumatoid arthritis. There's also a disease process called fibromuscular dysplasia, where vessels within the body become occluded. It can affect your kidneys, can affect the vessels that go to your brain, and certainly can affect the vessels that go to your heart and can cause a heart attack as well. So those are some emerging risk factors unique to women. And of course, pregnancy is also a risk factor. Unfortunately, you know, in the United States, increasingly pregnant women, the mortality rates have been increasing because of their risk factor burden when they enter the stage of pregnancy. And of course, pregnancy is like a stress test, and that can be a unique risk factor for women. Why is the detection of coronary artery disease in women so important? So, of course, we'd like to pick this disease up before it manifests with a heart attack or with heart failure. Ideally, you would like to catch this disease process much earlier um, at the very beginning of the disease process so that we can institute medications, make some changes to try and deter the process. So um, I always tell my patients it's very important. There's something called the well woman's visit, where even if you're not having any history of heart disease, it's good to get your cholesterol checked, your blood pressure checked, see what your risk factor is. And see if you are having at the beginning of this disease process. What is the age range you're talking about for a well woman visit of this kind? I would say any time after the age of 40 and upwards. By the time you have turned 40, you should at least have had your blood pressure checked, your cholesterol checked, at least a visit with your primary care physician to get an assessment of your risk. Do women experience heart attacks in the same age range as men, or do they tend to present at older ages because already subtle or complex symptoms might be lost amidst other conditions that are starting to take hold as age advances? Heart attacks will present at similar ages for women as for men. In the past, it was conceived that old women present later on in life, but in fact, um, a heart attack presenting in an earlier age woman, such as the age of 54 to 5 to 55, those women actually do worse because the thing is that the detection is oftentimes delayed by the patient sometimes they're thinking, oh, this is nothing, I'll get it checked out next week. Um, or, you know, by the physician may thinking, okay, this is probably heartburn. So, you know, because you're not thinking that someone of that age 
is having a heart attack. But research has shown that in that age range, um, these women do much more poorly than men. Um, so the early detection is very important when they do present. So um, for a heart attack in young women, you have to be very aggressive in detecting it and in treating it. Why has the history of cardiovascular disease been defined by men's symptoms for so long? Way back in the past, even, you know, growing up when we saw the vision of a heart attack, we would see an elderly uh, male clutching his chest. We would think that, okay, this is a man's disease. So I think um, a part of it is the history of it, just how it has been perceived, unfortunately. You know, women have, over the last few decades, have been acquiring more risk factors such as smoking um, and, as with the rest of the population, becoming more obese. So their risk profile have been increasing similar to men. So I think um, in the past, it was more of a perception issue more than a reality. So explain the differences then between men and women in terms of perceiving and recognizing that we've got a heart problem going on. So in fact, women present with chest pain. The thing is that along with the chest pain, they may also have some vague symptoms. They may have some shortness of breath. They may have some fatigue. And sometimes that may cloud the diagnosis of these patients. You know, they may go to the doctor and say, I'm not, I'm just not feeling well. You know, they're not describing the symptoms succinctly as a physician would expect. And then they may say, okay, this is probably, you just need to get more sleep or it's probably heartburn. Um, so oftentimes the, the chest pain is there, but it's clouded by other symptoms. Um, so you sometimes have to tease the symptoms out of your patients. Um, so it's never enough to just say, are you having chest pain? Yes or no. You have to dig deeper and ask, are you having chest discomfort? Are you having a chest sensation? I've, I've asked patients, are you having chest pain? Oh, no, no, I'm not having chest pain. And then a little on in the interview, like, you know, I had some pressure last week. And I'm like, okay, the, okay let, let, let's go back to that. <laughs> okay, what causes chest pressure? You know, is, is, is it exercise? Is it emotional stress? And those are red flags for heart disease. So you really have to have a good history and really speak to your patient. What have been, in your experience, some of the wilder presentations of symptoms, whether it's the way the patient has interpreted them, whether it's referred pain or what they thought they were experiencing that turned out to be a heart attack? Great question. About two years ago, I remember as covering ICU and a patient came and she just had back pain. And she asked about chest pain. No, not a little thing here, but it's really my back. My back is hurting. We ruled out, of course, a dissection, which is, of course, a tearing of the of the main vessel of the body. She didn't have that. And she turned out to have a heart attack. We diagnosed it. We got her to the lab. She got her stent placed. And miraculously, the back pain is gone. You know, unfortunately, had she gone to someone else or, or it could have been conceived that the back pain may have been musculoskeletal. But, you know, digging deeper and looking at all the red flags, such as her EKG, her risk factor profile, how she presented, allowed us to detect this disease process early. So that was pretty wild. (laughs) How have socioeconomic and cultural underrepresentation of women and ethnic minorities shaped the disparity in our understanding of how coronary artery disease occurs in women? I'm thinking clinical trials, men historically have uh, made up as much as 80% of of these trials. I know National Institute of Health is uh, trying to level that particular playing field and getting more women into trials, but do we need to make those cohorts even more diverse? Absolutely. Years gone back, um, as you said, a lot of these studies were based on men, and we were doing 
I'm treating every patient as if they were a 70, 70 kilogram, you know, male. But as it turns out, you know, we're all diverse, of course. So as you said, the NIH went back and said, listen, we need to make the study population more diverse. We need to have an equal amount of men, an equal amount of women. And of course, diversity, different ethnic, you know, makeup of your patients. And I think, unfortunately, because in the past, a lot of the studies that were done were done for Caucasians. A lot of that was extrapolated to other ethnicities. But now we're seeing that there are more minorities in studies. And in fact, minority females do far worse, not so much because their disease process might be different, but it's just that the under-recognition, both by the patient, the provider, sometimes the under-treatment, um, the mistreatment, um, in terms of inappropriately treating a patient for something else than what they have, those are some things that have led to these poor outcomes. I mean, thankfully, we are making some progress, but there's still a lot of room for improvement. So how is one's risk of coronary artery disease evaluated here and managed at the Women's Heart Center at Deborah Heart and Lung Center? So, you know, when we see our patients, it all goes back to the clinical assessments. Good history, a good physical examination, teasing out the risk factors that we had spoken about earlier. We'll do uh, labs to look at, uh, at the cholesterol level, the, the glucose level, the, you know, your risk for diabetes. Sometimes, depending on your family history, we may do further testing. We have the ability to do a calcium score, which is a tremendous, uh, tremendously useful test because that actually can detect subclinical disease. Um, so basically, a calcium score is like a CAT scan of the heart without contrast, and we look to see if there's any calcium in the vessels of the heart. And if there's any calcium, it implies that there is coronary artery disease. Dependent on the grade of calcium, it may be mild, moderate, severe. So um, I've had patients who have actually detected some clinical um, heart disease by doing the scan and have been able to effectively treat them. So, And of course, if we do find a blockage, we, um, we are able to treat that. We have the ability to do stents here at the bore where we can put a stent through the vessel and open up the blockage or we can do open heart surgery. Um, we also do valve replacement surgery here at our hospital including the minimally invasive uh, TAVR for aortic valves. In terms of the way you would diagnose and, and testing for all of the factors that could be feeding your diagnosis, how invasive, how complicated in terms of the time? I mean, does somebody come in and just camp out for the day and you run a bunch of tests or, yeah, i got to come back for a few things? I mean, how encompassing is this and the impact on yourself and your schedule? If we can, um, and if the patient is willing to to have to camp out for the day, we can do some of these tests on the same day. Most li- likely, though, uh, practically speaking, it's, it's set up on a future date, usually within a couple of days or weeks, and we have that day of testing. We also have the ability to do several types of stress tests with an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of the heart. We also do nuclear stress testing, which is with a radiation type of stress test. Uh, so we have various degrees of uh, stress testing. Now, the de- degree of stress testing is determined by the presentation of the patient and their overall risk factor. And, and one of the things that we all that I always speak about with my patients is radiation exposure because, of course, um, the nuclear stress test exposes the patient to radiation. The echo stress test does not. Um, a cardiac cath, um, cardiac CT exposes the patients to radiation. So I always have that discussion with the patient. Um, of course, it's not a lot of radiation, but you have to weigh is it worth doing the test? Um, to, to, is this patient of a certain high risk enough to do the test? 
without um, having the risk of having the radiation? Or do do they send them for the CT and be able to determine the test accurately? So those are some of the conversations we have. It's not just a quick, okay, you have this, you're going to go for that. We have to have a conversation. So what's new at Deborah with regards to managing cardiovascular disease? So what's new is, of course, we have the Structural Heart Program. Um, we, ha- we have been at least probably five years now doing the minimally invasive uh, TAVR, which is basically replacing the aortic valve without surgery. Um, we're also having the ability to do the Watchman um, device placement for patients who have had like an irregular heartbeat like AFib. Um, so those are some of the things that we're doing. On the horizon that we're hoping to bring here is the mitral clip where we can able to fix the mitral valve without doing open-heart surgery. Um, we also do um, several testing for um, cardiac amyloid, which is another type of heart disease. We have the ability to do that here. Um, so we're, we're growing. And you have all these wonderful techniques and technology and an incredible skill set. But ultimately, you would really rather people not get themselves into the position where they need them to the extent that they can control the development of coronary artery disease. So what would you tell people to do to stay out of your office? So the first thing is to start with a well woman's visit. If you haven't, if you're listening and you have not gotten your cholesterol checked and you're above the age of 40, you definitely should consider that. Get your blood pressure checked, see your primary care doctor. That's a good start. And the the second thing is to, of course, something you can start even right now, a, a healthy lifestyle. That includes eating healthily, avoiding too many processed foods, um, too many dairy products, red meat, um, that type of thing, eat, eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, and um, you know, staying active. Studies have shown that the more sedentary you are, the higher risk for heart disease and other the various diseases, getting a good night's sleep. Um, So actually going back to basics, taking care of yourself and getting yourself checked. Tell us about the Women's Health Expo, what that'll be like, what can you learn, what can you experience? So the Women's Health Expo is a wonderful event that I encourage everyone to attend. Um, We have free screenings where we are actually screening for not just the cholesterol, we're checking for diabetes, of course, their blood pressure. We also have lung screenings, so our pulmonary department has, um, you know, helped us with that. We also have vascular screenings for PAD, um, and we we have a various number of vendors um, that promote a healthy healthy products such as yoga, exercising, um, heart healthy uh, menus, and there's various vendors that have very nice um, jewelry and trinkets for those who want to do shopping as well. But the mo- the meat of of the of the health fair is getting those free screenings, coming early, getting yourself checked, and enjoying the day with us. Um, we have not only just myself, but other providers who will be there um, counseling attendees after they have their, their screening, and we'll be more than happy to speak to them there. So I encourage everyone to attend. <laughs> How can we find out more about the Women's Expo and more about the Women's Heart Center here at Deborah? So I'd welcome everyone to visit our website. It's www.demanddebora.org. And once you visit that website, you'll be able to click on the various icons for the Women's Heart Center and the Women's Health Fair. For those on Facebook, um, it has been heavily promoted on Facebook as well. (laughs) All right. I'm Rasa Kay, and I've been talking with Dr. Renee Bullock-Palmer. She is the director of the Women's Heart Center at Deborah Heart and Lung Center.